might have a song to start this week. Love You're it. singing it. If that's okay. Please do. The song about this episode, which is... Tilda, Tilda, Tilda. Tilda, Tilda, <laughs> Tilda. <laughs> so, welcome everyone to this week's Marvellous Tilda podcast, where we Tilda about Tilda. Because <laughs> Tilda. Um, I'm joined as ever by Tilda and Swinton. Tilda. Uh, can, can I ask you each what you would give this? Uh, how many Tildas out of ten, please? Twenty-three. <laughs> Four. Ooh. Oh, it's going to be a good pod. You see? Oh, that's You see? I told you this was going to be a good one. Matthew, how many Tildas would you give it? Uh, the, the most Tilda. <laughs> However many Tildas there are. Max the Tilda. Yes. <laughs> Maximum Tilda. An approximate tilde, yeah. No, um, can we get genuine thoughts then, Abby? I think let's start on that side. Absolutely bloody loved it. The best mm. thing I have seen from Marvel. Maybe just full stop. I This, this is my cup of tea. <laughs> okay, nice. Laura? <laughs> I'm so pleased you guys loved it, because you know how I hate it when we all hate something. Um <laughs> I'm not so Go hot on it. this one. Mm. Uh, my reasons are threefold. Um, do you want them now or shall I save them for later? Uh, we can tick through them. I, th- I would imagine they're probably going to be big discussion points that we want to go through. So let's go with point number one. Point number one. They have seriously overestimated how much I care about Strange and Christine's relationship. Oh, interesting. They... St- <laughs> They screwed that up in the film because they gave us nothing about Christine. And now they're kind of using that rocky foundation for this episode. And also, it's it's not even the relationship that they had in the film because they weren't together at the time of the car crash. Mm-hmm. And he was nowhere near as affectionate in the film as he is here, even before mm-hmm. she dies. And then he gets, you know, I understand him being more affectionate after he's gone through the journey of being becoming um, the Sorcery Supreme and having lost her, going back, yes, absolutely. But even before the first car crash, you know, she said something about his operation was remarkable and he's like, not as remarkable as you. And that was not anywhere near the relationship they were in. Well, they weren't in one, but they definitely didn't get the impression it was like that. Um, And definitely not to the point that I thought he'd risk the universe for her. So for me, it was more, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart and had a personality transplant? Yeah, it's a bit like at least last week, if not the last couple of weeks, where the the change, the thing that's made this universe different, it isn't what we're looking at. We're not, we're, where we weren't looking at why Hope joined Shield instead of whatever she did mm. in in the, the sacred timeline. In this, there's no why he's a slightly nicer person. No. Again, going back to other fiction of maybe he was kept back a year in school and that made him <laughs> grow up and act nicer or something. You know, it's it's it, a fundamental change elsewhere in his life. Yeah. It could even just be dealing with their relationship together and so on. Yeah, just because mm. this is what this is built on. If this had just been a side mm-hmm. thing, it would have just been like, oh, well, that's a bit weird, but fine, I'll grow mm-hmm. with it. Um, so, yeah. Point two or... Point two, I felt it because I wasn't bought in. I then felt it was a bit repetitive. So multiple versions of her dying, multiple versions of him eating monsters. And I just got to stage where I was like, get on with it. Destroy the world so we can all go home. (laughs) Yes, get on with it. And talking which, that does bring me on to three, which is kind of ties in. Okay. Okay. Because I was then in this mindset um, and very cynical about it. Uh, it then just felt a bit like a kind of cartoon version of, you know, the third act CGI mashups we get. 
mm-hmm. it then just felt a lot of it felt like that to me because yeah. I wasn't buying into the emotional side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Twitter reaction is ridiculously positive. So top tier Marvel, etc. You guys are people I trust most of the time. I mean, you're wrong this time, but it's fine. Um, so it probably is just me. I, I, I said I love this all the Tildes out of Tildes. Um, <laughs> but I do have some serious problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not enough to say it was bad or, or to throw away because I enjoyed it for a lot of what it did. Mm. But some of them are tangential, I think, to yours because... It's it's a sort of tropey thing that we say and we talk about, but you could actually replace Rachel McAdams with a sexy lamb, and that's it, it is all exactly the same. To the extent, and I think I read this on Twitter or, or maybe Dana Geek, but they then say that she dies, but the first film unfolds in the same way, which is saying her her actions in the first film, which are fairly minimal, but at least she did some things in the hospital, could have been anyone else as well. They're saying Rachel McAdams, except for this thing that she dies, is pretty irrelevant. It does minimise what little she does in the film. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's pretty shocking that they've written it in that way, that there's no, at least, agency to her, that he doesn't say to her what he's trying to do or something going on, or she's not part of this story. She is just a thing for him to dote over. Um it is something which I am keeping an eye on and we can look at in the final, uh, our, our wrap up episode mm. is this whole barely any female characters. When you get them, you fridge them because we've got a female head writer, mm-hmm. AC Bradley. So it's, it's just interesting. You know, normally you'd kind of go, Oh, well, all these men who don't know what they are, but you know, it's, it's a woman head writer. So I am curious to see how that ends up in the wash when we get to the end of this series, but I am just keeping a tally. Because all of this is to teach Doctor Strange a, a lesson. Although, you know, he doesn't get to learn from that lesson. It is, the, you know, we get we are seeing this because it's, isn't it interesting, the lengths he'll go to and in the end Ooh. it's not enough and the Watcher intervenes and so on, which definitely going to touch on. But I feel like that's the same lesson he learned in the film when Tilda Swinton died and explicitly said, you're missing the lesson here, this is what you need to learn. And tells him the thing and it's like, you said that this has already happened, the first film has happened, and now he's getting the same lesson again. It just... I really enjoyed the episode for what it was. I, I, I feel like this is what if to the power of what if. He's doing his own what if inside a what if, <laughs> of, of trying all these different things and all these different changes to the universe. And I enjoyed the uh, anime style of it, the way it looked so ghibli at times. I enjoyed some of the bringing in of, of creatures we've seen elsewhere. But it doesn't matter, and it's an annoying story at times. Putting aside all of the things I've just said, mm-hmm. I didn't find the story annoying. You know, if, the thing is, if I okay. bought into that romance, mm. I think I would have bought into the rest of it. And I have deliberately listed things I like because, you know, I'm very uncomfortable being in this seat. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that was that was the main thing. That was the main thing because it's always been... I, I really like Rachel McAdams. So mm-hmm. then seeing her wasted in the film, it just... So, Abby, hit me with some positivity, please. <laughs> The romance is, it doesn't exist. It's not there. It's not a thing. He's just vaguely mm. nicer. There is no romance. There is no love story. You do not need to buy it or to care. Doctor Strange is an ass, And he explains that quite clearly. And he's just mm-hmm. fixated and deranged to the point of infinite destruction. And that's it. 
and I really like how small and petty it is. I really, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really like how objectionable and ridiculous and pointless he is in it. I love how reductive it is about this great journey, you know, this kind of thing. It's usually a hero's journey to understanding and greatness. And it shows it being just absolutely pissed away because he's just ridiculous. And it is about not being able to fix things. And, it, you know, yes, he seems fundamentally nicer because he's not out and out rude and doesn't ignore the woman who's talking to him. Um, but he has no graces at all. He has no interest in anything other than fixing a thing that he deems has gone wrong. Mm. Um, and is consumed by and consuming power love that he starts with the biggest of the (laughs) the animals to consume i just think that's a really great detail um just just what if somebody is taken to their logical conclusion and i i think that's it and and i do agree that it is a bit odd the first time around because my wife had the same response and was like what but they weren't why is this but then we watched it the second time it's actually so brief the mm. the beginning of it and and the bit in the car and it really doesn't infer that they're in this great relationship or or anything actually it's like a lot of that is kind of implied as as you're watching and it's not there it's not in it and then you watch it back and you just go oh, this is great it's such a simple story and I I agree it is repetitive but I think it's almost more iterative you know like like any yeah. good piece of of mm. myth or trope it it is increasingly ludicrous mm-hmm. and then it comes back down to a single point you have this incredible conversation with the watcher which i thought was really really tightly done and then that's it and i just it's so quick it's half an hour it's just done oh so neat so well illustrated really enjoyed the fight really enjoyed the music you know i felt like they really stepped this up to be a little microcosm of I, I, I like the occasional inclusions of the the strange mm. theme that yeah. that slightly Sherlockian, um, <laughs> you know, phrase. Yeah. But it was just used in lots of different ways and lots of different instruments. It's like, oh, that's quite nice. Mm. Okay, it's reminding me what world we're in. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, and also, I mean, we've again t- coming back to the to the voice actor appraisal. I don't think anyone has done as much uh, voice work, radio work as Cumberbatch, and he's just a brilliant audio actor. Really, very truly. Good. Um, and he uses uses it to such an extent that, that the animation is almost a prop sometimes, I think. He's so good. So, yeah, really good. The, the likeness of his face, though, I thought was very good. And I mean, he has mm-hmm. a very angular, very um, easily recognisable face, I suppose, when mm-hmm. you put it. But I thought it did very well. And something else I will say is I thought there were a couple of moments where I thought they captured the body language beautifully mm. there's when he is standing by the lamborghini when he the first time before christine dies and just as he gets out and he just kind of brushes down his tux there's something about it that i was just like oh my god that is cumberbatch okay. just completely <laughs> yeah and then, then when um the ancient one tilda is um just in case anyone forgot who later <laughs> um is they're kind of circling each other as she's explaining to him this is all very mm. bad. You shouldn't do this. And just the way they've got her so upright with her mm-hmm. arms behind, arms her, behind back her back in that. Yep. There was just 
just there was something about how upright she was and everything. I was like, oh my God, that really looks. And it's the first time with this mm. animation that I've noticed that the body language really looks like the, the actor that we've seen portraying the part. So I thought that was mm. fantastic. I agree. It was it was so similar. And I was thinking because this is I think this is the first one where everyone is themselves. Yeah. And yeah. obviously they are filming Doctor Strange, too. And, and you almost wonder if they if they got this done, <laughs> as it were. Or well, some actually maybe or filmed something. it together. Almost one day. They're not filmed, sorry, recorded it together. Well, yeah. Got, got them to go and do their lines and so yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the other thing with it being Rachel McAdams. Because I was like, oh, you know, you've got Rachel McAdams there. You need you need to get her to do more. She is a sensational person for everything. But then I think about the Doctor Strange cast in general, and you think, and you've also got Tilda and Bendit Wong and Michael, not Michael Warburg, Stolberg. And you've got Chibolto Egia for, and you've got Bendit Cumberbatch and um, whoever it was who played Caecilius. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Thank you very much. You know, there's a sensational cast there. They could have picked on anyone to come back and do stuff. Um, it's, a, it's a shame she didn't get more to do and that some of the rest of them didn't because um, Tilda rocks up for sort of two key scenes. Mm. I think there's maybe one other moment with her, but it's two, basically two scenes that she's in. And the first one I was watching going, and you can see it in the animation, but I was not getting much from the characterization from the performance. Mm. But then the second time, the sequence in New York, yes, it absolutely felt like some of the sequences from the film. Mm. And, and you're absolutely right in saying, you know, Bendy Cumberbatch is really good at this stuff. Mm. It, it captured it there. You, I think, who was it who said they, oh, Laura, you said you close your eyes sometimes. and Yes. You can still hear it. That that's exactly the moment. It's like, yeah, this is basically the film doing yeah, stuff. Absolutely, it's cool. Mm. Whilst whilst we're talking about the cast, I thought um, Ek Amadi as Obang. Um, mm-hmm. Do we? I I don't know because I don't remember details. Even though I remember Doctor Strange better than most, how much do they talk about Cagliostro in Doctor Strange? Like he's mentioned. I think there is a mention because of one of the artifacts. Is named after him, I think. Isn't the the book that um, the Darkhold? No, uh, it's not necessarily the Darkhold. Not the Darkhold. <clears throat> I don't think it is the Darkhold. But in, in the Doctor Strange film, the book that um, the very beginning, Caecilius tears the page out of. Mm. I think that might be one of his books from this library or something. Yes, I think you are his right. His book of mm. thing. Um, the name that you ca- tagli somebody. The, the book of Tagliostro. Absolutely. <laughs> Cagliostro. Um, in the comics, Obang is one of the names that Cagliostro uses. So, mm. and he has ah. connections to the Darkhold, and then obviously Wandavision and everything. And it's just, you know, obviously, you know, you've only got so many characters to pick from. But I do think it's interesting to to pop back into those areas, um, and to just kind of bring that character in and. Have that. I, I thought it was a really interesting when you consider how much time they presumably spend together, um, as well. And I just, I really thought that that was such an interesting but brief and massively off-screen uh, piece of content that was so interesting. Mm-hmm. And then when you see the strange that kind of rises out of this long period of time in the library with the things with the infinite rehearsals of all, all this and, and the consumption of creatures and again in the presence of Cagliostro I thought it was just interesting that that was all there um, 
and that kind of presumably absorption of some certain levels of darkness mm. on the way. Uh, I think we, I've said this about other elements of this series. I, I quite like that they didn't feel the need to give us Cagliostro's CV. Yeah. It was just implied, very powerful, knows stuff, and then we're going to go and learn from him. Mm, yeah. Big library. You don't need any more. Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> yeah. um, is a cold library. Mm. It's fine. I was, I, I, I was quite into that. I think they've done that generally quite well to sort mm. of assume we're going to tell you the stuff you need. we need to tell you. And I almost wonder if, if off the back of things like WandaVision, they've seen that actually fandom will fill in any gaps. You're just giving people an enormous amount of room to con- of, for content to go and make these backstories and reference guides and read these volumes to, to join the dots. And yeah. I think that's really nice. I think even more so with this series, I think they're assuming that a lot of people yeah. watching it have mm. probably higher knowledge than somebody who just flicks on Disney Plus and goes, oh, oh what's this Marvel thing? I'll have a look at it. Yeah. Um, and higher interest to then go and go and look. Just on um the on Benedict just on Benedict Cumberbatch I can't say it. Just on Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. Friend of the show Steve at Zinc Stote um shared an article because there's been quite a bit of discussion about uh the fact that he has got this American accent and how good the American accent is, etc. And he shared an article with me, uh, which says that it was very much um benedict's choice to go american and originally he was mm. going to be it was going to have an english accent and uh that he he said no 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 he's an american doctor he works in new york so american accent oh fair enough mm. it, is it, it it's interesting well it's really hard because i had this with the doctor strange film and i had this with this episode as well i have to keep reminding myself that he's not house md <laughs> Yeah, but Hugh Laurie's because accent is cracking. It, it is, but certainly for most of the Doctor Strange film, he sounds like Hugh Laurie as Doctor House. And in this, there were times as well, and I had to think about that relationship. Oh no, he's not addicted to painkillers. And he remember this, <laughs> despite being Sherlock. <laughs> yes, yeah, ex- well, exactly. There's just there's so much that sort of informs it that is so similar to it. He's also not a um, dragon. No, yeah. Um, I think also. I mean. The things I'm so used to his voice mm-hmm. coming out of his face, you know, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so that then when we get this American accent, it's a bit kind of like, oh, oh, oh. But also I've read some some Americans, and obviously our American listeners can tell us what they think of it. Yes, please um, do. Saying that, yes, it's it's not a bad American accent, but it's not an American accent that any Americans have. It's kind of generic American. Yeah. It's but no one actually happen. speaks like that. Transatlantic, yeah. yeah. I think it's because my first encounter with Cumberbatch was um, him reading the Aubrey Maturin novels, which he did on radio for a long time ago. Well worth finding if you want to listen to his voice. Um, and also Cabin Pressure, which is just well worth finding full stop because it's one of my favourite things in the world. Um, I was going to say Cabin Pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I was so used to him being that character. And, and kind of with all the pathos and sort of slight silliness and everything. So actually, I, I find it quite easy to accept him as Doctor Strange in a way that I don't when he plays other English-accented characters um, because it is so different and I don't confuse him with Martin, which is really good. Yes. Martin, who's quite... Uh, oh, how would you describe Martin and Kevin Pressure? Neurotic. Yeah, neurotic. <laughs> That's a really good way. <laughs> Just I, I deeply love Kevin Pressure. Um, anyway, let's talk the Watcher. Let's. Mm. 
Um, uh, I'm about to ask you about your thoughts on the Watcher actually interacting in this yeah. episode. Um, but, but before that, I was actually halfway through just the point where the Ancient One turns up to talk to him and does her great car trouble, Doctor Strange, moment. I, I was watching it thinking, surely at some point the Watcher needs to say something. Surely that line is now being crossed here. So I was quite pleased she turned up and it sort of informs why the conversation happens at the end. So I'm interested in what you think about that and what it does for this series and, and this character going forward. I think it's, there's a number of things that I've noted that I think is them setting us up slash educating us for future Marvel multiverse fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those is this idea, one, that Stephen can hear slash converse with the Watcher, um, which wouldn't surprise me if we get that, say, in Multiverse of Madness or even later in this series or something. And two, that they, I think they are setting up the Watcher is going to be interfering at some stage. Okay. Because all of his doth protest a bit too much this time. I think whether it's going to be in this series or if it's going to be in one of the films or something, I think something is going to get to the stage where he's like, oh, actually, I do, I do have to interfere now. So, am I right, Abby? In the comics, at some stage, he does actually dabble. Mm. I th- and I think that he does kind of suggest, in even in this one, that saving one universe against all the universes yeah. is not worth it. But I think that the implication mm. is a threat to all existence. Yeah. And at the very least, he can see above the multiverse. So we've got this layer um, which which has that visibility. And I think that that kind of helps it make sense, if you like. If if it was just kind of saying there are just infinite universes and nobody can see them all. But the idea that somebody can see them all, I think is makes it much more tangible, much more interesting and, and much less, I don't know, almost kind of like Uncanny Valley worrying conceptually like your brain can't quite hold that idea but as soon as you say it's okay somebody can see everything in some sense i think we find that easier to process um i really i agree i really like that it's steven that can have that conversation that he is that elevated um and capable of that and i really really like that the watcher says and i can't interfere with this and he doesn't I think mm-hmm. that it's, again, we talk a lot about consequences with Marvel. This had consequences. They mm. sucked. And that was that. No, I, and I, I think... Don't... Sorry, I was, I was going to say, I, th- I think that what if is letting us see sometimes the consequences that are almost too much for a film. Yeah. Certainly in this case. Hmm. And I love I love that that was the, the outcome, that there wasn't a, you know, a swoop-in rescue at the end or, or whatever or massive change part at the last minute. Mm-hmm. I think this is a fantastic use of the what if concept that you can go, well, that was a downer, wasn't it? At the end. <laughs> and it not be so we've broken the entire Marvel um, mm. universe. I'm slightly worried now that because I, I purposefully, because I enjoyed it so much and I wanted to get it watched again, which I've only just done. Um, I haven't gone and looked around at what people thought. And I'm, I'm worried now that everyone enjoyed it. And this is going to be the new wave of things where people are obviously what people want is just no resolution and total misery and like no we liked it this time (laughs) we like this half an hour animated episode with breakfast (laughs) i don't want it and everything (laughs) a little doom with breakfast and that's fine (laughs) i like this one (laughs) at least for me it's been trending this time and that's the first time since captain carter it's it's actually come up without me having to go and look for it 
Mm. Um, and yeah, there were definitely some people saying, yes, we want more darkness like this. Yeah, I don't mind darkness. And, and I think that, you know, properly handled darkness like this is, is just the depth of it was just really quite bewitching. I really enjoyed it. So pleased. I'm just really pleased that this thing that we've been paying so much attention to was so good this week. Isn't it nice? <laughs> I mean, not for Laura. The, the other person we got in this this week was, of course, Bendit Wong. Yes. Um, who is very quickly, I think, becoming a favourite for Marvel fans. Yeah. Um, any any comments? I, I, I Like with other elements of this, I don't think it brought too much, but what were your thoughts on Bendit? I really liked the... Um non-ludicrous Stephen cites him as one of the reasons that it would be good not to end the universe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's somebody where he's noticed that another being exists and is good and is worth mm-hmm. saving. And and I like that he's kind of got a relationship with somebody else. Um, yeah. I think that's nice. But also, again, I thought that his vocal acting, Benedict Wong, was so right for the part you know mm-hmm. sometimes when people don't have as many lines as they could have in things it gets a bit overcooked and i think we've definitely seen that in some of the other what ifs you know you record your three lines and you do them big <laughs> um and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not but you know i i i did see many people commenting on the little sorcerer's room so that clearly landed well <laughs> um and, and just i thought it it added this layer of comfort in Doctor Strange's world that you didn't necessarily realise was there until he became a beast absorbing monster mm. that was quite nice yeah when um, when there was some absorbing going on um, Good Strange I think it was, was flashing back to see Benedict Wong um, I'm making gestures, melty upwards melting okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Anime, anime dissolution. Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's who it was he was flashing back to. Mm. And yet, there's part of me that if he had decided to wreck the universe by Wong, I might have believed it more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually. the universe for him. Um, well, for they, but they did, you're right. They did kind of put that connectivity, that chemistry between those two characters in those scenes. Mm. And it, in the film. And I, and again, I think yeah. it's almost it's almost deliberate in what if I I do think that what if is mindful of the disservice done to Rachel McAdams. I certainly think the animators couldn't be bothered to just like make her face look like her face. Um, so it's all about that silhouette with her. Clearly. Mm. But it, yeah, good dress though. Yeah, oh, yeah. good dress. Yeah. Good dress. If you've got one dress. I, I wouldn't want to get pizza on that dress, if I'm honest with no. you. I thought, but I mean, that when she said that line, I was like, Pff, and then I was like, actually, it is a nice dress. Though. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like it is quite conscious of the choices it makes. It's Doctor Strange's mm. story. I think, as you say, it is interesting that Wong does pervade for longer than the other characters, more so than, than Tilda. You know, and and he doesn't really have any impact with the ancient one. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like they have even the connection that, as you say, is is part of his lesson in the film. Mm-hmm. That that didn't seem to be there in the same way. So, yeah, I, I think the the plotting of of his emotions yeah. is really telling. 
as as I think about it, it makes me worried he's going to end up getting the Gwyneth Paltrow role, the sort of fun killer, and the the sort of overseer, you know, I mean, sensible, don't don't go on japes. I could ship her. Um, That's all right with me. That's fine. <laughs> um, you mentioned the humour. There were some good lines, some good moments, things the little sorcerer's room. Uh, I do want to talk about how much I rolled my eyes at them doing a Doctor Strange's name joke again, which they've done in, I think, every film he's in. And everything he's turned up in so far, that well is running very dry for me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Armani is quite amusing. That would have been if they'd stopped there, (laughs) but then doing the thing of it's strange, and then we get the strange thing again. It's like, yeah, I remember when Spider-Man did it. I remember when Kaecilius did it. We, we're done with the Doctor Strange name jokes, thank you. I suppose if you've never watched anything else... <laughs> You're not watching would... this. If you've never watched <laughs> anything, never else, anything else, that's the least of your issues. <laughs> You're never watching anything else after this. <laughs> You're just in a bowl on the floor. Yeah. Uh, some other things I liked. Mm, okay. I really liked that when he does bring Christine back, the visual of her being in the car and it then splitting out into its components mm. and then her being lifted out. I did, there was just something really lovely about about the way they'd visualised that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and I did... I can, oh, sorry. Oh, we'll, no, be, we'll be doing your list because I was just going to say the thing that I really like following on from that is when he's like full Disney beast with just kind of different mm. tentacle bits and yep. bits and coming out and, and yeah. hunch and the, you know, very Beauty and the Beast and very... Um, tragic and weird and traumatic, but also, yeah, it, it looked full Disney in a way that mm. I don't think we've seen this show look yet. Uh, that's interesting, because I, as watching it, I was thinking, it's it's really good that Laura's recently watched Howl's Moving Castle. Because yep. so much of this just felt inspired by Japanese anime in that way, and particularly mm. the Studio Ghibli, the bits of floating lights doing things, and the way some of the creatures were turning up and, and acting with sentience. and. Mm. Did you feel yeah, like they've got a tentacle brush at What If? Because we've had a lot of tentacles. <laughs> well, this is one of the things. Are we being set up for? Mm-hmm. Are we being set up for Laura says Laura Garraf. Yeah, all right. I was getting there. Yeah, Shuma Garraf. <laughs> it's fine. I can cut you out. <clears throat> so the tentacle monster. I think you're fine. There is one in the comics <laughs> called Shuma Garraf. Uh, so whether it is or not, but it is Tell interesting. We've had that twice. <laughs> it is interesting. We've had that twice. And whether we will mm. be seeing that again, I don't know. Yeah, like you say, that that idea of being educated for what might be coming and what yeah. might happen. We go, okay, this is a significant thing in the universe. Um, yeah, it'd be cool to to have it introduced in another way, not just the glowing portal now. Yeah, you know, let's let's start digging more into that. I think particularly the fact that with this one, it was far too powerful for him at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I think it was the final monster he went to other than his other half. And so I think that really, I don't know, there is something about setting that up. But I interrupted your list of things you like. What, what no, no, I think, uh, I think I, didn't I say what the other thing was? There weren't was? that many. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a long list. Oh, I like the representation of the universe melting. I, I just like the way that was done. Mm-hmm. And that it was, it was people who were moving around still melting as they're kind of, and not looking horrified, it's just kind of, happening as they're going about their day yeah it's really interesting to talk about the visuals because the visual aspect is what makes Doctor Strange such a good movie you know it it is one of the last standard um, origin story films that Marvel have done so far Um, 
and what separates it from from the others is the way it uses imagery and magic and the world not being the same as the world we you know obeying the laws of physics mm-hmm. um to the extent when you know how you mentioned about some of it felt like it went on a while some of that fight sequence some of the absorption sequence they didn't have the interesting visuals it was just them fighting on a path and you know, it didn't have what we had elsewhere and then the stuff that's really good is yeah exploding the car and things glowing and mm. representations of the universe shrinking and so on it stands out and it makes this bit of the mcu much much better yeah mm. i also liked the little callback with christine everhart who i did not notice until mm. i looked at the um the voice list and it said christine everhart this is someone we're meant to know and so she is the Vanity Fair reporter from Iron Man 1 and, I think, 2. Mm-hmm. I think she must have been on the TV screen. She, yeah, same with the hotel on fire. The hotel explosion yeah. where she That's calls nice. out Christine specifically. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, nice little... And getting the actress back as well. I like mm-hmm. that. If you've got yeah. a phone book, use it. <laughs> <laughs> and good God, they have a phone book. Haven't they, though? <laughs> I think I think that's really nice. And again, you know, I also wonder, does she have roles in in other things that are coming? You know, if you've got people in Marvel proximity, how hard is it to get them to do a line? What if What if she's the MCU version of Perd Happily? (laughs) I think she is, isn't she? Because I think there's some like tie-in webisodes or something for something where she was Mm. doing, or maybe it's some deleted scenes. I can't remember. There's definitely her doing news reports, and it was always the same channel. Because um, and she was more like an anchor um, mm. as opposed to okay. like, the Vanity Fair gig she had previously. Nice, but yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. interesting to see if we see her back. A couple mm. of other bits that I think we might be being set up for is the behaviour of an absolute point in time. Oh, good point. And and you know mm. the horrific consequences if you do mess with one. Um, and then the other one is potentially this idea of the ability to have two timelines in one universe. So did here wonder if we might see that again. Hmm. Do we know what absolute points are in the Marvel Universe as it is? For example, is the death of Tony Stark one? And maybe the death of Black Widow is not. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Well, which which of her many deaths are we talking about this day? Well, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It could be. Yeah, we, we haven't mm. had them. This is the first time we've been told this is an absolute, I believe. Yes, yeah, we've talked about Nexus events as yeah. changes to the timeline mm. that may or may not need correcting. Absolute events, which I feel like is a Doctor Who thing. Could be. I feel like there's something about certain things can't be changed. They all they will always happen and you shouldn't go there anyway. Something which like is that. a heck of a way of just stamping your foot and saying it just is okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, well, absolutely. It's the equivalent it's... of Loki, isn't it? Yeah. Well, because yeah. that's the way it was meant to be. So that's why that <laughs> yeah. bit's okay. <laughs> and, and we did say that about Loki is is it's that thing of we can't stop Steve from going into the ice for 60 years mm. as good as it would be to stop that because it's absolute, you know, if you change it, something else happens to do that for 60 years, such as Sean McGrath comes and takes them away or something. Um, that's what happens to the Captain America character, maybe. Mm. But yeah maybe they're they're setting that up as that's the terminology for why we're not going to go and revisit our, our own history. Well, I don't think that term terminology was used in Loki, was it, and that's where you would expect it to have been well, it's mm. where we got the as you say nexus events, but yeah, yeah they mm. and and 
uh, was it doomsday events apocalypses yeah, but but none of those things appeared. So I suppose they they don't have. No, because have... in Loki, a Nexus event was um, something that was steering off of the mm. sacred timeline, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Whereas this is a point that can't be changed. Mm. And and didn't so uh, it's just add into our lexicon. Am I misremembering that Wanda is a Nexus creature? Yes. Yep. Okay. Which I think means that she is the same person in any of the verses. She's still the same version of herself. Yeah, she only occupies one existence. So there isn't a Scarlet Witch in all the other universes. Is that interesting? She is the Scarlet Witch. I thought it was that she's the Scarlet Witch, but she is the Scarlet Witch in all of the universes. So there wouldn't be any variants of her. That's kind of what I meant. Yeah, cool. Yeah, there's not a male Scarlet Witch and a yeah, yeah, yeah. Frog Scarlet Witch and an alligator Scarlet Witch and a. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if we'll see her in this series. I think probably not because although oh wait a second sorry the reason I was saying that is because there was a Vanity Fair um, interview with the director and I think the writer where they were talking about. Um, what if, what ifs, and all of their concepts that they'd abandoned. Mm. I'll link in the show notes to it. And I think in that they said that they had been told to steer away from the key characters, uh, Loki, Wanda, etc., that Mm. had MTV programs. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, I think that was with the view of they're getting TV shows to explore them, so we don't need more stories necessarily. Mm. Mm. But uh, I dare say they might appear in the same way we had Loki briefly. Oh, yeah, yeah. but not a, a, well, briefly, know, but to better. great unused effect, it turns. Well, absolutely, mm. absolutely. <laughs> so far, thus far, indeed. yes, yeah. Um, and and in the same way, last last episode was the one that I wanted to see way more of. I don't think we're going to see any more of this timeline. This one's shot. Well, this <laughs> this one half is an over. hour of black. A watch going. just check his watch. Like, I mean, just... I'm still watching just in case. But <laughs> I think one of the other things is I just I. For one reason or another, I've read a lot of short stories in the past couple of weeks. Like a lot, like a couple of hundred short stories in the last couple of weeks. Um, And you'd be amazed how few stories have endings these days. Um, So it's really nice to see something with an ending. Got to set up the franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Just how nice to see something that just finished. (laughs) There's no sequel here. Um, I don't know. I, I think that that is... A, a genuinely strong point as well. We've been watching so many unfinished things, unending what ifs, mm-hmm. that actually I didn't realise how much I wanted it to just stop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I found that very soothing, very pleasing for something so yeah. sad. Nice to just have some big finished feelings. Yes. Which is a good point for us to finish, I think. Isn't it good? You set up a segue very nicely. I do just have some breaking news. I had a segue. Damn it. We'll get there. (laughs) Okay, you can do your segue. You can do your segue after my breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking Rocketeer news. (gasps) (laughs) I mean. So, for those of you that have listened to the previous episode, uh, we had a little Rocketeer discussion, which was then followed by. news that there will be a Disney sequel of The Rocketeer. 
The Return of the Rocketeer with David Ayolowo and also put out a poll to see, you know, who who was on which side when it came to uh, came to whether this was a charming caper or a bland bore. It's only 1.4% charming caper, so... Mm. We're going to have to do that. Some of us don't. We're going to have to do I that mean... um, episode where we... Uh, yeah, we face off about it. We might have to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, I did think this was the best thing since since Kylie turning up in the Marvel verse just a few <laughs> days afterwards. I mean, what else would we like from Marvel whilst they're clearly listening? Yeah, what can we predict? <laughs> More Tilda. More Tilda. More million Tildas. Did, did we talk last episode about the fact that a million Tildas Rocket... with a million typewriters <laughs> and just Matthew in the background staring lovingly as the watcher, right? As Matthew the watcher, right. the Matthew watcher. Is the watcher. <laughs> did, last episode, did we talk about the fact that the Rocketeer was going to be in What If? I can't remember if we only talked about that on WhatsApp. No, I thought we talked about that in the pod because I was talking about okay, Jennifer cool. Connolly. But I, I think mostly I was just talking about the Rocketeer. And and I, yeah, I had no idea there was going to be this sudden announcement. I know. It's very exciting. I will put links Ooh. to uh, both articles in the show notes. Matthew, you may now close with your brilliant segue. <laughs> Thank you. I, well, I will, I will say on the Rocketeer poll what I said when we talked about Howl's Moving Castle. I think people saying it's really good have not watched it in a while. I feel like I think, Lauren knows it quite well. As I've I think got that's people feeling. voting based on their thoughts from 20 plus years ago. When did you last see it, Matthew? Lie. 20 plus years ago and I knew it was not good then. Okay, and, and Abby's seen it. <laughs> yeah, very recently. It's flipping awful. And I saw it the other week and it was oh. really lovely. So, <laughs> Looking you, forward Matthew. to our podcast. On that Absolutely. harmonious note. <laughs> <laughs> um... We would like to hear from all our lovely listeners if they have thoughts on what if, what is happening, and their thoughts on what has happened so far. Um, So do make sure you hit us up with your thoughts as the show's come out, as the episode's come out, and tell us what we're right on, wrong on, what we didn't mention. You can find us uh, all over social media if you search for Eloquent Gushing. You can find me on social media. I'm at Matthew Vose. Laura, where can people find you? I'm at Laura Geeks Out. And Abby, where can people find you? At this A.E. Shaw. And if you like what we do and you would like to give us some support, you can find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash eloquentgushing, where you can give just $1 a month to help us put out these wonderful shows that you love getting in your ears so very much, um, as well as get access to all sorts of exclusive things that we will send you. So go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. Ka-ching! <laughs> we'll be back next time where I'm hoping to talk more, Tilda. Until then, whether she's in the episode or not, whether she's in the episode or not, uh, Swinton. I don't know. Do we have a good closing? I think you should just sing again, honestly. Yeah, you just sing sing us out. Sing us out, Tilda. Tilda, 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 Tilda. Oh, yeah, singing over Zoom does not work. It is not a thing. Yeah, but I'm going to line you up. Okay. I need to take off my headphones for that. Yeah, goodbye.